You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. The word Genesis in the Bible means the word beginnings. And we are actually in the midst of a brand new beginning for our church. The Bible is made up of 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. It's God revelation to man. It illuminates and teaches us how and who and why we are who we are. And, and, and what God, our creator, the beginnings, the origin of who we are. And God's plan for us. And kind of taking a quick look, a brief look back at where we've been in the last 11 chapters. This, uh, chapters, this is Origins, part one. We'll probably do a part two maybe next year where we, where we cover the rest of Genesis. But we're focusing on 11 chapters in Genesis. And in in, uh, in chapter 1 and 2, we have creation, and then 2 and 3, we have Adam and Eve, and, and uh, in 4 and 6, we talked about Cain and Abel, and 6 through 10, the last time I uh, preached on origins uh, uh, two weeks ago, it was on Noah and the flood, and today, it's the final installment of a weird and misunderstood story in the Bible about a place called Babel and its tower, the Tower of Babel, and as you can see, that the, the book of Genesis is broken up into the human race and the Hebrew race, a historical approach and a biographical approach, one that's based on events and then one that's based upon people. So last week, uh, we focused on the flood and uh, mankind had grown vile and wicked except for one family, Noah and his family, and God gave him ex- specific instructions to build a large barge. And then the rain came. And when the rain came, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. Water remained another 150 days. And after sending out one raven and three doves, uh, one returns with an olive branch, and the last one doesn't return at all. And shortly after that, the ark hits ground, and God instructs him to leave the ark and move out. Now, is the story of Noah and the ark a real story? Well, according to Jesus and all of the apostles, the book and the story of Genesis, specifically of the flood, is the most often quoted and talked about story in the Bible, in the Old and New Testament. So Jesus, the, all the prophets, all the apostles, regarded it as a true event. Plus, artifacts predating the reading of the Bible give accounts of worldwide floods, from the Gilgamesh epic to Babylonian epic to Africa, Asia, Australia, ancient Europe, and even Native Americans all record a global flood event. I do believe it is real. The flood reminds us that God is moral and just as a judge, that God is one who extends mercy and grace even in the midst of our rebelliousness, and that Jesus is at the center of the story of his redemption. For the ark represents Jesus, and Jesus also represents the rain. So what we're going to do now is a a fly through four chapters or four events at 30,000 feet. The Ark hits ground, and God says, come out of the ark. And in Genesis 8, Noah exits the ark, and uh, God displays a rainbow. And the rainbow basically says, I'm not going to destroy the earth with water again. So every time you see the rainbow, it's a reminder that God and his grace is still on us and with us. In Genesis 9, God gives very clear specifics to Noah in in a renewed assignment. Basically, he says, I want you to establish a justice system. Before taking a man's life, 
was uh, prohibited. Now, out of justice, they are allowed to to uh, incorporate a justice system where there is a capital punishment now, and that's instituted in Genesis 9. As well, in Genesis 9, God told Noah that you can now eat anything you want to eat. Up until that point, they were primarily vegetation, vegetarians, and in Genesis 9, God says you can eat whatever you want. Any animal is yours to eat, any meat, as long as it's uh, not bloody uh, and super, uh, he doesn't, God said no to eating raw, uh, uncooked things. Um, And then he gave a very clear command, spread out and multiply. Get out there and populate the earth, all right? And in Noah... uh, had an embarrassing situation in Genesis 9-2. Noah uh, makes a vineyard and he gets drunk. Um, it's a reminder that, first of all, we should never idolize people and that no one is beyond uh, a stumble. And this is important to know because the Bible reveals the good, bad, the ugly of people in the Bible. Uh, we are never to idolize the heroes of the Bible. The only person we are to, to idolize is Christ, who is the king of all. He is the only one we are to worship. Well, one of his sons uh, embarrassed him by making everybody know, and then two of his sons walked in backwards and covered him, and then Noah blessed the two and told the other one that your life is going to be very hard because you embarrassed me, and, uh, and God uh, actually fulfilled that. These three brothers went out in Genesis 10 and traveled and populated the earth, and you can kind of take a look at the chart. The three sons make up 70 nations, and uh, this takes place after the events of chapter 11, which we're going to focus on today. So kind of see how these three sons kind of populated the known world and eventually traveled around the world um, there over the course of thousands of years where the families and how they populated the earth. Uh, Three sons, 70 nations. So here we go. Chapter 11. How many of you remember some of these toys? Raise your hand. Erector sets. Okay. Um, Girden builders. Remember those? I love those things. This was my favorite. Uh, Lincoln Logs. Okay. How about um, Tinker Toys? Yeah. How about uh, Domino Rally? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Those were awesome. Uh, How about just good old blocks? Like the blocks? Uh, Legos. All right. Who loves Legos? Um, Forts. I mean, make a fort. Like a fort in the woods? How about a tree fort? Anybody ever attempt to make a tree fort? How about a blanket fort, at least, right? A blanket fort. Now, here's the deal. You know what they all have in common? Building something, building structures, building something to climb on, to get in, to display. And I have over here our little building tools of Jenga. So I need two people to come down here and play Jenga for me for a few minutes while I'm preaching. Who would be willing to do that? Sean, come on down here. And who's that behind you? Can you see? Okay, come on down. And uh, here, you guys put it together. And uh, build, and here's what I want you I want you to build until it's about to fall, and then just stop. All right, when you think that you can't go any further, you might need to kind of tuck them in and stuff. Um, when you can't go any further, just kind of stop right there, all right, because it's important that it doesn't fall. All right, um, how many languages do y'all speak? Anybody here speak different languages? All right, I knew a little Spanish. Donde esta mi esposa? Where's my wife? When you're in another part of the world, you need to learn, husbands, where is my wife? Right? And where's the bathroom and that sort of thing. Um, 
it all goes back, the languages, the, multi, the multiplicity of languages all goes back to Genesis 11. According to Genesis 11, the multiplicity of languages was God's response to one of mankind's most... You're going way too fast, bro. It's about to fall. I can see it on this. Okay. Phew. I mean, it's like, okay. I saw him take two or three out, and I'm like, all right, this is going faster than I thought. Oh, he haven't even started. I know Sean's an engineer, and he knows how to build stuff, so that thing will, will be amazing, I'm sure. Let's take a look at Genesis 11. Have you ever been unsatisfied? Have you ever been one of those moments where you just can't feel what you want, but you just want something? You ever felt stuck? Well, this is a story about that. It's about disappointment. It's about discontentment. It's about displeasure. Genesis 11, verse 1. Here we go. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, that is, after the, where the ark landed, they moved eastward from the ark, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. Now, take a look at this map. Shinar is basically southeast Iraq. It's about 50 miles south of modern-day Baghdad. So you see Babylonia, that's ancient Babylonia, Babylon, Shinar, that whole circle area, that dark area, is where they settled. So in Shinar, they settled. And by the way, Genesis 10.10 tells us that it was led by a guy named Nimrod, who was a mighty warrior, but also had, had this sense of rebelliousness towards God. Verse 3, they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. It was extra strong, and they built it out of the same type of materials with tar that they built the ark out of so that it was not only strong, but it was kind of waterproof as well. So they found this extra strong a common bond and known as what is ancient Babylon. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now, what did they build? They probably built what was known as a ziggurat. Take a look at this picture. Ziggurats are basically what are found. This one, this bottom one right here still stands. That's in Ur, which is just south. It's in, it's in the plains of Shinar, but it's just south of Baghdad in ancient Babylon. Up there is outside of Babylon, and, and many believe that that top one might actually be the ancient Tower of Babel. And these are the steps going up to the ziggurat in Ur, which is uh, basically dated 5,000 years old. So they probably look like this. Now, first of all, I want you to think about two things that are a problem right off the bat. Number one is that they were walking in complete disobedience with God. God told them three times in Genesis over the course of several hundred years to spread out, multiply the earth for his glory, fill the place, to spread out for his glory. And author J.D. Greer in a pastor, he says this, why would they not want to obey that? It sounds like to me, have sex and travel, what's not to love? I thought that sounded funny. Uh, instead, they chose to build a waterproof tower to observe the sky, thumbing their nose at God. Look what we can do. That's the whole attitude, the 
attitude of this tower is one of rebelliousness. And number two is that they had sincere but twisted motives. Let me explain that. Is that they wanted a city, basically a place to belong. They wanted a tower. They wanted to build something that mattered. They wanted to leave a mark on humanity. And they wanted to make a name for themselves. Basically, they wanted to be known and to be famous. Guys, listen, there's nothing wrong with these things, but doing the right things for the wrong reason is still wrong. Understand this, and this is important. Sin is an attempt to find in something or someone else what we lost in God. See, what they were attempting to do is to find something that God had already given them, and they were looking for it outside of God. What they were looking for, God had already provided for mankind. They were looking for a city. But God already said, I am your home, I am your city, I am your family, and you belong when you are with me. They were looking for a tower. They were wanting to build something of significance. But God says, you are significant in me and in my will. Our lives only matter with significance in him. And then they wanted to make a name for themselves. But it is the name of Jesus that is to be made famous through us. But they were rejecting God's plan and will, leaving them searching and selfish with arrogance and pride. And we, apart from God's plan, often do the same. Sin is an attempt to find fulfillment, to, to, to feel full or to be satisfied apart from God's plan for our life. See, these desires that they wanted, these desires that they were searching for, that belonging, that security, that greatness, are not wrong. There's nothing wrong with you pursuing security, greatness, or this desire to belong. It's where they were looking for them that went wrong. Guys, listen, we want a city. We want a place to belong. We want a family. We want a place to feel safe. We want to be accepted. We want to have friends. We want to be recognized. We want security. We are still looking for our lives to matter. We want to build something and leave a mark. We want, man, we stress out over work because we want it to make a difference. We want a career that leaves a mark. We, we want people to look at our life after the dust settles and say, you did something that was significant. And then many of us, we want to be connected with greatness to be known for something bigger than ourselves. I mean, we name drop. We take selfies with wax celebrities. Think about that. I took a picture of myself with a stand-up of Justin Bieber the other day at Claire's. I was getting my ears pierced. And uh, just kidding, I wasn't getting my ears pierced. But I did get a picture with a stand-up Justin Bieber. And uh, he saw me first. Um, it's like, Ted, selfie. I'm like, sure. Um, but we take these pictures because we want to be connected with something great. We, we don't tweet uh, things that humble us. We don't go like, um, forgot to do my quiet time again. Hashtag humbled by this. Um, <laughs> got back to the doctor. Hashtag eight pounds overweight. We don't, we don't do stuff like that. What we do is we connect ourselves with something good and famous and selfies because there's a yearning in all of us to belong, to matter, and to be great. 
And that's what they were looking for. That is the point of that tower. And when I'm with my friends, and when I'm with my family, and even when I'm with the church, and when I'm watching the sunset, and when I'm listening to music, I've got, I listen, I go, man, there's something bigger than myself and than this that's out there, and I want to be a part of it. It's because we were created with this desire to connect and this desire to belong and this desire to be great. There's nothing wrong with that desire. It's where we look for them where it goes wrong. And that's where it becomes unhealthy and sinful. So I'm going to give you real quick five things to know about this Tower of Babel, what they did that was so wrong. So look at Genesis 11.4. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make ourselves a name for ourselves. First thing you need to know is that what they were doing was an attempt to reach heaven without God. It was an attempt to reach heaven without God. That reaching upward, they're seeking and looking for significance, trying to get back to something they had with God. You see, the word Babel literally means the gate of God. So what they were trying to do was to show their significance and even connect with God and, and say, hey, God, I am here. I've arrived. I'm looking for greatness, and I don't need you. It was the gate to God. In fact, every one of those pyramids, look at some of these pyramids from around the world. They're all in Asia, South America, Europe, Africa, the Middle East. They, doubt, they, they, they date several thousand years old. They all have one thing in common. All of these are dedicated to man's attempt to reach God or a God's. All of these are places of worship, and it was an attempt to reach and find God. How are they seeking to reach up? Through their best achievements, our skills, our talents, and our achievements are all meant to point to God. If we don't see that, they become a God, and they become idols in our life. Religion, good deeds, best efforts, even church. Without God, all of these things become idols, and they become an issue of sin in our life. And many of us are what are known as Christian atheists, you say you believe in Jesus, but nothing about that permeates out of your life. At work, at school, at home, you have church attendance, but that's as far as it goes because for all good purposes, you're just an, a Christian by name. You're towards God is, your attitude towards God is one of neutrality. So what are the towers you're building? I want to ask you something. You think that's as far as you can go? Okay, let's leave it right there. That looks excellent. Let's give it up for them. I think that's a good place to stop. All right. Thank you so much. What are you building? What are the towers you're building? Everything we pursue, all our time, all our money, is an attempt to regain something that God has designed for himself. Genesis 11.5. It says, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower of the people, the, the tower they were building. They were trying to build up, but God came down. The irony. God of all creation came to see what his little creation was doing to play on words. So verse 6, the Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. This is not God stopping or stifling their dreams or being a cosmic buzzkill or saying that God is limiting what, uh, what we can do. He's saying this. Literally what it means is that, if they continue down this path, they will be afraid of nothing. There's that sense of nothing and no one can stop us. And he saw the real harm and self-destructive nature that was 
stirring in their hearts. If they continue down that path, how much more violent and destructive and self-reliant uh, uh, and independent of God they would become, which is number two, it was an attempt to be independent from God. They were seeking to feel that security, that significance, and that greatness on their own, in their own way, by their own strength, for their own glory. Let's build a tower for ourselves, for our own glory. Guys, listen, pursue great things for God, for his glory. That's the design. Students, I want you to, to dream big for his glory, not for our glory, not to make ourselves famous, but to make him famous. That's the plan here. You see, sin is defined by its middle letter. I. That's what I want instead of what God wants. It's in my strength, not his. I get the glory, not God. Sin does not begin with an act. It begins with the heart behind the act. You see, that attitude of the heart can be the very source of immeasurable amounts of sin and pain as it was for them. See, that tower later became a place called Babylon. And Babylon in scripture becomes the ultimate symbol for everything that opposes God and the attitude that is everything against God. In the old, Babylon is used as a symbol for complete fruition of sin. And in the New Testament, and even in Revelation, we see here in Revelation 18, 2 and 3, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, for all the nations have drunk the wine and passion of her sexual immorality. Babylon represents the full fruition of sin at its worst. It's the I will, not God's will. You see, that moment of that tower, that complete self-defiant, you know, sense of rebellious attitude towards God is, is really represented in our lives today, and it goes back to that moment. At its core, it's really what Satan is all about. In Isaiah 14, 13, describing Satan, it says, You said in your heart, Satan, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. You see, Satan's attitude is I. And that's how you know you're moving in the attitude of rebellious attitude. It's your glory, your plan, your will, your strength, Sexual morality, violence, hatred, oppression, all of these are fruit of the pride of I will. It's at the root of sin. In fact, Satan's favorite song is, is Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way. I did it my way. You know, it's like that we love that, but, but there's a sense of outright defiance of what is God's way? What is his way? What is in your heart? It's not about how moral or good you are, if you are, but at the core of your heart, is it God's will or my will? You can do things, make a difference, be famous, build towers, be known for good works, and still be completely consumed by pride. Whether it's grades, building a business, or being religious, is it for your glory, is it for his? Here's how you know. Jealousy. Jealousy is this, your eyes are always on other people's towers. A characteristic of pride is an ultra-competitive spirit. Proud people are always trying to be better than the towers around them. Why did they get that grade? I'll show them that car. Oh, why is that why is that not mine? That position, that, that baby, that marriage, that life. It irks you because all you can see is the other towers and jealousy stirs in your life. I got to ask you a question. 
Whose will are you living by, yours or God's? Whose strength do you attempt to meet each day with, yours or God's? Whose glory are you concerned about, yours or God's? What are you attempting to build apart from God? Here's what happens, Genesis 11, 7. Come, let's go down and confuse the language so they will not understand each other. So God poured down humility, frustrating their attempts. Now imagine, I don't know if it was overnight, over the course of several days, but people all of a sudden could not understand each other. You know, you're, you're walking down the street, you go to buy something, nothing makes any sense. Nobody's communicating clearly. And all of a sudden, those that have the same languages begin to tribe together and pull together and sit together. The ancient languages that don't even exist anymore were birthed there. Most of the ancient languages do not exist But most linguistics believe that all of our languages have a birth with one language. Most historic linguistics because of the shared sounds and commonality of our use. In verse 8 it says, So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. It was abandoned and left as a monument to their sin. A couple of things that sin does. Sin leaves behind rotting towers and disappointments. What are your broken towers in your life? Relationships, a lost job, humiliation, maybe you're caught cheating, you're kicked out of school, you have this, 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 you know, ancient, you know, uh, destructive towers that are just left as ruins in your life. Look at some of the ruins uh, over the years. You've got the ziggurats. These are ruins from all over the world, Guatemala, Cambodia, China, uh, Colombia, Africa, Korea even. This one thing, by the way, this commonality of ziggurat styles and pyramids shows that we all did come from the same uh, group of people. Uh, The oldest ones are the ones from the Middle East, like the ziggurats, which were on the first page. Those are 5,000. But say the Meccan towers, those are about 2,000 years old. You know what they all have in common? They're ruins. Because these towers of self-defiance, these towers... These religious towers, every one of these pyramids are religiously motivated. They leave behind rotting towers and disappointments. But I want you to imagine for a second, if you could look at your monuments in your life, those terrible mistakes and those those towers that have been destroyed and abandoned in your life, if you could look back at those as monuments that got your eyes back to God, because they can be. Verse 9, that is why it's called Babel, because they were the Lord's, Uh, Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Here's number uh, four about five things you need to know. Uh, Second thing about sin is that sin will leave your life confused and full of chaos. Another play on words, the word Babel means gates of God. But in Hebrew, the word Balel means confusion. Just by changing a pronunciation, this gate of God, this attempt to reach God self-defiantly becomes a place of total confusion. Guys, I want you to realize this. Your life will never make sense as long as you are building your own towers. Your life will never be clear of the chaos until you get your eyes focused on the Lord. Your life will be full of chaos apart from knowing and walking with the Creator. You want to be known? valued and approved of, you are in Jesus. And it's richer, deeper, and lasts longer than any person you'll ever meet. 
Are you trying to become someone special? You are in Jesus. You're trying to matter. You are to him. And as soon as it's all over, something amazing happens. But I want you to realize this, that that tower that you are attempting to build, that you are finally thinking this is going to be the one that's going to take me to the next level. And you think, oh, man, this one is going to be the one, if I can get one, it's going to take me to the next level. Every time you attempt to build a tower, apart from God, it will leave you in ruin. And it might look like it's going good for a while. And it might look like you're making some ground and that you're reaching for the stars. But eventually, it will leave you in ruin and confusion. And you wonder, all those years wasted, all that time, but here's the good news. I want to end with this. Genesis 12, 1 says this. Everything changes in one chapter. As soon as this story is over, a new beginning. Chapter 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, which, by the way, is in Ur, which is right down where the Ur, the ziggurat of Ur is at. It says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. The three things that everybody was looking for. And you will be a blessing. That's the key. And I will bless those who curse you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Guys, listen. This is five things you need to know about the tower. This is the last thing. God is building a better tower. While Genesis 11, it was man's attempt to build a tower to God to regain what was lost. In Genesis 11, God begins to build his tower down to us through a frail old man named Abram to regain what was lost. He says to Abram, I will give you a home. I will give you significance, and I will make your name great for my glory. The very thing that the people were looking for. That tower was complete through Jesus. The way to heaven was made through Jesus. God came to earth and then built a tower to the Father. Jesus restores all that we have lost, all that they lost. In Revelation 7, 9, during the end of, of time, this is what John sees. He says, after this I looked and there was before me a great multitude in heaven that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, and they were, uh, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, because of Jesus, the scattered nations of the earth will once again gather together and the redeemed those in white robes, those who are washed in the blood of the Lamb from every tribe and every nation and every language around the globe. When they were scattered, will one day gather together around the throne. They will gather together. In Christ, speaking multiple languages, gathered around a tower built by God, proclaiming the glory, power, honor, and salvation that belongs to God alone. And in Zephaniah 3, it says that there will be a day when we will all be given one pure speech, where we will in unison declare his glory. So what Abraham could not do in his own strength, God did through him. What you can't do, God can do. You can't live a perfect life. We can't pay for our sin, but Jesus did. We can't build a tower in our pride and best efforts to ever be good enough for God, but Jesus has come. Proverbs 18.10 says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
the righteous man runs into it and is safe. See, there are two towers everyone is building here. Yours as a monument to you, a tower that will inevitably bring you disappointment and pain, or God is building a tower through you of eternal significance, one that will be a tower of refuge for everyone around you that will come and find Christ in you. So what tower are you building? Yours or the Lord's? Who is choosing your major? Who is choosing your career? Who is choosing where you're going to live? Your house, your job, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Who controls your money? Who controls your time? That tells you who is building your tower. Let's pray. God, I pray, Lord, that in Jesus' name that you would just intervene in our life and help us to understand that, that God, we are not meant to build towers by our own power and our own strength, but God, you want to build a tower of life through us, the true tower, Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you'd help us to know as we are transitioning into moving, that God, we're, we're not trying to, to build anything in our name and for ourselves to make ourselves famous, but God, this is all for you. God, our church, our transition, our move, our new facility, God, it's all for your glory. It's in your name. God, this is, this is a, let us be a place of refuge for those around us in our city where they might come to this tower and find Jesus. Not that we might be famous, that you might be famous. Every head bowed and every eye closed right now. Some of you right now, you know for a fact that you have been building your tower. I want to give you a heads up. It will leave you in ruin and disappointed and leave you filled with confusion and chaos. Or you can stop reaching for heaven and open your arms and know that the Father has come to you through Jesus Christ. God, thank you, Lord, that you are the grace giver, the forgiver of sins. God, thank you that Abraham said yes to the plan of God, a very imperfect, frail person who made a lot of mistakes. God, you used him. And I know, Lord, in this room, there are a lot of frail people who make a lot of mistakes. But God, here's our life. Here's our tower. Build your tower through us, Lord, I pray. Humble us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you an opportunity to talk more about this. If you'd like to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus, use that connection card that Sean's going to mention here and, and drop that in the offering bucket and uh, and and just pass that on to us. Um, I want to let you some of the questions like, why did God do this whole thing to Babylon? Why did he confuse the people? Why did he cause people to have different languages? Very simple. To humble them. To humble them. He humbles those who he loves. He loved those people enough to humble them so that their pride and arrogance would not destroy them. The nations and the fact that we have different languages keeps us as a nation even humble today. It's part of God's plan to keep us in righteous fear before him and humble before Almighty God. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.